All right, appreciate y'all tuning in to another episode of Bliss's Ignorant Podcast. Jay Bliss, I am joined by um, a comedian that I have uh, witnessed uh, through the invent of television and the internet and was able to meet this brother very briefly one time in Philadelphia. But uh, other than that, he is my fraternity brother, and I'm, I'm proud to have him on the podcast and uh, hope it's a, a beginning of a, a friendship that we can cultivate because of it, man. Um, LeVar Walker. Uh, Yo, give it up. what's happening, everybody, man? Appreciate you for having me on here today, uh, Jay Bliss, man. That's that's love, love from the bond. Shout out to all the brothers of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here we are, Noob. Here we are achieving on your podcast together. So what, what what's going on? Nothing much, man. So um, where'd you go to? Uh, you went to school in Louisiana? Yeah, I went to Xavier University. In- Xavier. So you went, you came from Chicago to Xavier, or were you already in um, Louisiana? No, I went straight from Chicago to Xavier, man. I left. I, I started school, like, right after high school. I was, what, 17, 18, and then uh-huh. I started Xavier. And just bounce. And bounce. Why Xavier? Why, why Louisiana? Well, I mean, you know, I, I decided that I wanted to go into pharmacy, and you know, being black, I talked to another brother that was a pharmacist. I was like, where'd you go? And, you know, I went there. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Um, And it's it's amazing to me. Like, you, you, you learn things through people by talking and things like that. And what we do as far as comedy, a lot of people don't understand that. It's a God-given gift to, to a lot of us. Um, and we don't realize the gift that we've we, we, we've been given. A lot of us go towards a path that we feel like we need to go through or something that we've always wanted to do, uh, whether it be college or business or, 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 or pharmacist or whatever it may be. Then mm-hmm. you find out you got this gift to be able to give people laughter. And you might be caught in the balance as to do I stick with what I've worked towards my whole life or do I go to something that that's given to me by God? And well, it's like, <laughs> go well, ahead. Inevitably, it's looking like I'm, you know, as the days go by. I mean, I only, when I went to, to pharmacy school, man, I was just trying to, you know, I was just a little dude working at Walgreens and like a stock room or some shit. And uh, I just heard pharmacists make good money. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to do that because I didn't, <laughs> see much, I didn't see much, you know, Growing up on the south side of Chicago, I didn't see, you know, other than drug dealers and shit, I didn't see anybody with any type of success. So, you know, I, I was just looking at it from an hourly rate or whatever, and they made good money. I was like, well, fuck it, I'll do that because I wanted to get out of school. Like, I, I knew, like, well, fuck it, if I go to college, I just want to make sure I get some money when I'm done. And, and that... That was my decision for it. You know, it wasn't like my parents pressured me or no shit like that. My parents, you know, were very uh, supportive in my endeavor, but they were also like, you know, you need to figure out, you know, what you want to do with your life. So, I, I, you know, I had my own autonomy and I went to do it. You know, I would, you know, from doing that and making that decision at 17, 18, I don't regret it. But I wouldn't tell my son to, you know, it's, it's more important for people to do what they love to do 
mm. and invest that youth and that time into those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's way more important and it outweighs any money because if you get in the money and you got dead on you and shit like that, yeah. and you don't really like it. I mean, you on just this dumb ass treadmill, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like right. Right. Fucking, it, it, you know, it's just self-defeating. Um, so, you know, I don't mind it uh, being a pharmacist and talking about, you know, working in the pharmacy and doing those bits have, have gotten me quite a bit of exposure and writing <laughs> and some television appearances. So, you know, I don't knock it. I'm blessed. And at the end of the day, based on my journey, there is no comedian without the pharmacist. There's no pharmacist without the comedian. So it's just who I am. It's unique yeah. to, to my story. Well, the, the, the cool thing about it is uh, it gives you a lane to be able to have material about things that nobody else can really talk about within that lane. So it's kind of like those stories are yours and yours only, but everybody can relate to it. You know what I mean? When you start talking about the nonsense that goes on in the pharmacy or the questions that you get asked or the stuff that you got to deal with on a regular basis, your job ain't no different than anybody else's job. They got to deal with people every day. But it's like, damn, you got to get this at the pharmacy too? Like, yeah, people dumb all the time. You know what I mean? working, Dude, like working retail pharmacy and being under that pressure because you you under the same pressure as a fucking uh well it's even more pressure because you're dealing with people's medication but you're processing this medication at the same rate of a mcdonald's worker right so it's a motherfucker you yeah. know and uh you know it's what it is man but it's it's helped me because like when shit is down, I'm thankful that I can go in there and hustle and give me a couple of dollars, you know, to kind of keep shit moving. But uh, you know, it's I'm I'm ready to go ahead and fully transition and just do comedy at this point. I, I hear that. Um, so where did the comedy start? Like, when did you first jump on stage, and and what inspired you to, to even do it? Oh shit! Well. I mean, it started when I was little. I mean, just always, I was an ugly child. And uh, you know what I'm saying? I I, saw, I sought out attention after my little brother was born. So I was always, you know, once I got my first laugh, like in first grade, I was just hooked on that shit. And, you know, doing dumb shit and cracking jokes all the time. I never believed in entertainment as a viable option for survival because... Growing up in the Midwest and being, you know, my mom and dad, Chicago is pretty much a blue collar town. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much, you know, you get a job, you know what I'm saying? So I never thought that I would have any type of career. But uh, I think what first inspired me, I saw a dude, I was in, I was in college, maybe, a, was I a freshman? No, 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 no. People kept telling me, man, you should be a comedian. Okay. You know, since eighth grade. So, you know, you, you're going to do comedy, you're going to do comedy. And my first year as Xavier, I was 18. You know, I was on the yard, you know, roasting motherfuckers and doing all that shit. I came home for winter break and I first got on stage at the old All Jokes Aside, which was in the South Loop in Chicago, which is a 
a legendary club. And, um, but you know, I told Damon Williams this because I, you know, I'm cool with Damon. He don't really, he just don't remember, but he was actually the first person to hand me a mic where I got wow. in front of people. But when I performed that very first time, I got booed and I was like, fuck this shit, this ain't for me. So I got to my last year of pharmacy school because that shit was just still in me. I found myself being rather obnoxious around people and I was like, entertaining people so if i see like my you know a group of people or some shit here i come joke 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 so i'm literally uh subconsciously performing you know what i'm saying right, so right on my last year of pharmacy school i i i called my uh my number five my my line brother i said uh i say yo nick i'm about to do this shit and i don't give a fuck what happened i'm gonna stay with it you know what i'm saying so yeah. i i started that last year pharmacy in New Orleans and I wasn't really telling nobody but word kind of got out and you know people from school started showing up and shit and you know what I'm saying like I even though I had just started with me being in college they would put me up last because you know all the kids would come to see me right and uh I just stuck with it man and then I moved to Atlanta and then what I found was though when you know you know my i'm just standing up in front of my friends and then i was doing like a lot of white shows and shit yeah mainstream yeah mm -hmm. yeah so when i moved to atlanta i went to the old uptown comedy corner now my very first time on stage i did pretty good you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah. then i came back maybe three or four weeks later i got booed then i came back another couple weeks later i got booed again <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And one time I came, I was pissed. I was like, you know what? I, I know what I do. I get drunk because I'm funny when I'm drunk. I got drunk and then I got booed. And I was just a mad drunk on stage being belligerent. <laughs> and then Nard Hostin, who hosted Uptown Comedy Corner, they, they used to do a Sunday night at the old Uptown Comedy Corner. And this is back in 2002, 2003. And this Sunday night, every fucking celebrity, dope boy, just every motherfucker you could imagine. This one, T.I. was coming up. Shaq was the man. You mean, they would come to these events because, I mean, they were just so legendary. And, um, I mean, you would get viciously fucking booed off stage. Right. People telling you to kill yourself and all kind of shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was talking to, I, I saw Nard. He was like at the old Justin's. P. Diddy at a club, yeah. a restaurant, Justin's. And Nard looked at me and said, hey, man, you don't do this shit or you not. I said, what you mean? He said, nigga, you, don't, you know, I only see you sporadically. So at that point, I moved into the club. Like, I was in that bitch every fucking day. And yeah. then what I noticed were the other comics that were doing good on the Sunday I noticed they were there every day and they were doing the same bit. So I started learning. I said, oh, that's how you do this shit. Wow. And after that, it was over. Yeah. I so started you, killing. Oh my yeah. God. I was so killing. You, you learned you learn organically. Like you didn't even have somebody in your ear explaining to you how I to do it. it. It was trial and error. Yeah. Man, you just, you know, I think you learn so much from failure. Right. Well, I mean, well, I do. Um, 
the, the failure, those are your biggest teaching moments. And I mean, right. this night was so, dude, I remember being so fucking nervous, like every week, like I would have to drink, drink water. I wouldn't tell nobody I was going, you know, I, was, I would just go in there and see what would happen because I didn't know. Yeah. And I was just paying dues. And then, you know, once I got into the rhythm, I just got strong. I got strong really, really fast. Really. Yeah. That was 02 by 05. I was on Comic View. Yeah. And that's, and so that's when I, um, that's when I start, started in 05. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and mine, mine came from a different place. Like, I was older, so I didn't want to have to go through that whole getting booed, getting booed, getting booed. And I knew that it was a science behind comedy. Like I knew it wasn't just getting up there and talking. Um, so it was more or less, I just had to learn the process of jokes and right. I'd have to get up there and ramble. You know what I mean? Right. I knew rambling will get you booed. You know what I mean? It was like one of those, one yeah. of those things. Yeah, it will. It, I mean, but, and, then, and then too, it's like, and then this is, uh, well, when you do urban, because see, I, I was doing urban so hard because mm-hmm. I, even though I started mainstream, mm-hmm. I just felt like, yo, I can't, I, I can't make my people laugh. And what good is, what good, you know, what, what good is my gift if I can't service my own people with it? You know what I'm saying? So the urban became, uh, a, a, a rather large challenge for me. So it was challenging in the end. But like I say, like I say, they will viciously boo you. But when you rip, you was fucking legendary. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So just yeah. how you got booed is how much love you would get when you told the stage up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But the cadence, when you talk about mainstream versus urban, the, the cadence is different. It's a Absolutely. different cadence where the the uh, disadvantage of urban is timing. So what urban comedians don't realize is their timing is fucked up. Because, you, you, you know, when you're doing jokes like this, shit, then the motherfucker gonna pull out a little stick. I'm like, God damn. You know, like, yo, what is that punch? You know, the punchline can't be nigga and damn and right. a voice inflection. So right. that's the disadvantage. So you're not able to really go anywhere with it if you stay or you're not gonna make it yeah most aren't i mean you get to maybe the level of a of a blackson or maybe a duval but i mean when you get in the comedy you i mean when you like you know i'm in at the cellar in new york now and when you see the opportunity over there it's fucking crazy yeah you know it, it might be like when you talk about just urban comedy, it might, what is it, four, five black millionaires? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but in mainstream, it's way more. It's like everybody, yeah, everybody's doing really good, getting writing gigs, getting, yeah. open, getting serious representation. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I, and I, yeah, because I liken it to if you came up in an urban room, I can't see that act going to Just for Laughs. And killing at a mon in a in a in a Montreal. Like I don't see it working that way because that's just not the crowd that it's there for. But right. I learned that early on too, because I started in a mainstream room, but I would work out in an urban room. 
And it was a vicious room. It was scandalous. It was uh, Big Chill and then scandalous in Charlotte. And when I tell you they didn't play, your ass would get booed off that stage so quick. You know. And, and, and see, that's what that's the thing. So the disadvantage, like one of the weapons of being a comedian, and you don't realize this when you do a lot of urban, but there's a weapon in silence. So it's not that you're bombing because you get scared of silence. It it calls it gives you great fear when they go quiet. You know what I'm saying? But they listening. Yeah. So you'll see a guy like as soon as he get quiet, he jumps or something and just you know, just flip out. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta just do your joke and let them think. Right. And you give them something else. You feed them and you build it up. And you, you know what I mean? So it's a it's an art to it. And when you that, look at when you look at it like, you know, when I when I was 15, 16, I was in the Def Jam because nigga, I was south side of Chicago from the hood. You know what I mean? So at, even though Chappelle was around at that time, we really wasn't fucking with Chappelle like that. You know what I'm saying? We didn't understand his brilliance. Yeah. But now you see. Yeah. You know yeah. Right. Now the, the the silence part is uh is key and I think it's a growth process within comedy that allows a comedian to understand that silence is golden for you. Um some people are nervous about that. I'll give you an example. Uh I was in Atlanta one time and I was coming through because I had shows in uh Columbus. Then I had to go to Dothan, Alabama, and I had a day in between. I had no show. So I was able to get to BQE when when Big Sean Larkins had it. And he was like, yo, you just come on up and I'll give you some time. So when I got there, I noticed it's a bar. It, it's a lot of chatter at the bar, a lot of noise, a lot of talking. And and I was in the back talking to other comedians, and they didn't know who I was. And they was like, where are you from? And I was like, I live in Charlotte. And they was like, all right. And one of the comedians saw me like a year later and said, man, we thought you was going to bomb when you got up there. And I got up there, and I just started going into my set. And it was a lot of stories, a lot of talking, whatever. But I got halfway through, and I'm telling this story, and it's dead silence in there. I mean, sitting the bar ain't even talking. I hear the bartender going, shh, shh, shh. And at that moment, I was like, I got everybody up here to be quiet. You understand what I'm saying? It was like, my jokes in the beginning were so good, they were like, let me hear this long-ass story this dude about to tell. Right. Sweet. And it wasn't a situation where it was joke, 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 joke. This was a long story just for one punchline at the end. Yeah, and that's that's comedy. You know, you had yeah. a pain. Like, you know, just because they quiet don't mean they're not paying. They riding with you. You know they what I mean? with you, yep. So urban just builds up a, a, a fear and you just can't deliver when it when it counts with, with that type of... Uh, it's almost like if you just do straight urban, you you just you work in this muscle, but it's the wrong muscle. Like your arm is over the level, <laughs> yeah. and the rest of your body is fucked up. You know, you know what I'm so you know, because you just need to be able to talk to your audience. You need to be able to have conversation. You know, right. with your audience. You right, know? right. That's a that's a good analogy. I you know that's uh the one of the things that and I always tell young comics when they get on stage and they feel like they not doing good, I go, look, man, first of all, you need to stand up there like you, you're supposed to be there. Like, you can't be up there showing any fear. I don't care what audience you're in front of. You're supposed to be up there. Be arrogant. And then that, well, you know, that typically comes from time. Because, like, yeah. you know, when you take me, for instance, nigga, I'd have, I'd have been booed, beat up. I, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I can literally stand there and just look at it. Like, I've been through 
every worst case scenario. Like anything you can name, Mike going out, power going, any fucking thing. So I don't give a fuck. I've done television. So I know if I bomb, they can't just delete all my shit off TV or Netflix. So I don't fucking care. But that takes time. You have to develop your turtle shell. And, you know, it just takes time. You know what I'm saying? What's your what's your preference um, as far as audience? Do you prefer the club um, atmosphere or arenas? Well, eliminating money from the situation, just like the audience itself. I would I would prefer uh, a club. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Arenas are just they they really easy. Yeah, arenas are easy, dude. That's the easy shit you can do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like. You go out in front of 15,000 people that have paid a $150 ticket. They they just so ready to laugh, and they can't even believe you are in front of 15,000 people. That You're going to get gigantic pockets of laughter. You know what I'm saying? But I think those small, intimate rooms is where you develop the best material. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now Atlanta, I believe, is a, is a hotbed, and it's, a, it's an advantage that a lot of cities don't have, um, like, you know, like the New York and the L.A. and Atlanta, where you could actually literally hit stages every night if you chose to, uh, which helps you build muscle, build build up your, your gym time and things like that. And every city doesn't have it. Um, how would you explain the Atlanta comedy scene? Is it is it beneficial? Is it something that you enjoy being in? Or is it something I, just- I, I mean, it's, you know, I've started my career here. I've come up. Um, here, um, when I sit back and watch, I mean, they got some good guys, man. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good scene mm-hmm. overall. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's a, it's a good scene. I can't really complain. I, I see these guys doing their thing, and they, they pretty funny. They sharp. They fast. They quick. And then all it is is just about, like you said, like pretty much stage time and repetition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more stage time you get, if you that have natural ability and talent, you gonna get strong in the motherfucker. Like yeah. I haven't been, I haven't been on stage since March, literally. Right. right. So, you know, like yesterday, I, I was at my uh, old friend of mine, this old guy named Bob Lett, good friend. He died. He was eighty four years old, and we became friends because he just come to the pharmacy and shit. It's old as fuck and we talk shit to each other. And uh, at his funeral, I did about 15 minutes of just roasting him and shit like that. Wow. And uh, everybody laughing and crying, laughing. I'm acting out and impersonating him. And uh, it was, it felt good, man. It felt good. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, for me, I get on that goddamn stage. The more, like, like for instance, if I'm headlining for a weekend mm-hmm. and I got to do six shows, by that second or third show, it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm just in flow, I'm in rhythm, and it's just whap, whap, whap. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. Just, you know, yeah. You know what it's, I mean? it's a good feeling, man. It's like um, when March, March 11th was my last show. And um, the, the the rhythm that I had it was just ridiculous. Like, I had been on stage, I think, 
six weeks straight. Like, just show up, show up, show up, show. And that was the last one. I never knew it was going to be the last one for forever, but it was just, it was perfect. I was doing new shit. I was doing, I was changing stuff. I was doing crowd work. Everything was just working. Everything. Staying in ovation. I mean, and it, it all stopped. You know what I mean? Then I got back on stage a couple weeks ago, and my brain was rabid. So are you a full-time comedian? Mm-hmm. Wow, man. How long have you been full-time? Since 2016. Wow. Wow. And, um, and it's it's stressful now, but, you know, it's like... I see you itching that neck, nigga. I know <laughs> I can it's stressful now, but, you know, you know, we do what we got to do, and, you know, everything will work out the way it's supposed to. You know, I'll figure out a lane or figure out what I got to do, and maybe I got to dust off my resume and hit back into the corporate world for a little bit of time until I get my get back on my feet. You know what I mean? But, you know, I got kids to raise. I ain't got time to be worrying about nothing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. It is, so. Or, you can, or you can turn back into nephew Tommy because y'all are the same person. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga, Tommy, nigga. This. I met I met that dude. I met that dude at uh that fifty comic deep you did that little contest they did out of Columbia, a little sham of a contest where they just took our money, and we <laughs> I was like, why well, ain't never messing with them dudes again? Damn. How did you end up on the Shack All Star uh, comedy tour? Oh, damn, that's a good story. So, two thousand twelve was a was a was a big year for me. Like I had like a lot of opportunities. So in March, well, the beginning of 2012, I said, yo, I'm just going to do every competition, festival, everything I can get my fucking hands on. I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the beginning of that year, I got a call from, well, first of all, the beginning of that year, I got a call from Keenan Ivory Wayans because they were getting ready to reboot and live in color. And uh, they flew me to Hollywood and shit and did me a screen test. It was me, Little Rail, Sidney Castillo, Jermaine Fowler, Josh Rabinowitz, a lot, lot of comics, um, which was, that was like, this is fucking crazy. Like, they put me up and shit and just laid it out, but I didn't book it. So I was like, mm, okay. So then uh, they had a Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam competition right. and uh i'll never forget this girl that was working with nate smith who's kevin hart road manager named tomorrow she was telling me she was like yeah they got this competition it's in orlando will be woos i was like okay so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in that so i did it i went down to orlando to do it and i had a show the next day with shaka khan so i'm i'm trying to I'm like, yo, y'all got to get me on stage because I got to fly out of here today. You know what I'm saying? So it was some nigga shit, and they end up doing it. We didn't start. The, the, the competition was started at 10. and shit didn't start at 2. I missed my flight. Oh, shit. So I do it or whatever. And I had a good set. You know what I'm saying? But I I left the set. I tried to go to the airport. I missed. I came back, and I guess Robert Powell had – had won, I guess. I don't know what the fuck. I really believe I beat him the fuck out, but right. you know. So he was doing the warm ups for that show they had in Orlando. And I'm like, oh, that's dope. He won it. So right. I'm like, fuck it. So then I was at a gas station 
uh, getting like a Red Bull or something, and I saw this cutout poster of Kevin Hart, and it said the Miller Light Comedy Competition. Right, right. So I said, oh, shit. So I went on my phone and typed all that shit in and followed the guidelines and uh, shit, I, I murdered that shit. Like the they had a show, so you had to do something online to get people to vote for you to go to some live I show. I was on it, I was at the year after you. <laughs> so I I I got online, did the little corn they, you know, you gotta do some corny shit sometimes. So I'm on the corny shit, like, hey guys, check me out. The Miller Light, make sure you vote. Yeah, all this stupid shit. So they had a show. So I got you know, I got picked up. So they had the first round was in New Orleans for right. me. So I don't know why the fuck they had me perform in New Orleans. But anyway, so I go to New Orleans and, you know, I went to school there. You know what I'm saying? So I had my game face on shit. Then um, I ended up going number three on that show. And I, sweet spot, yeah. That's the sweet spot. Yes, sir. And I watched the first and second guy and I knew I fucking, it was ridiculous, dog. So I murdered it. And then right. I went to the Vegas round. Right. So uh, they pretty much, like I talk, I'm, I'm still cool with a lot of the guys uh, that were involved with that whole program. And they was like, nigga, we knew you won the whole goddamn thing from the New Orleans performance. Right, right, right. So I went to Vegas and, uh, you know, man, one thing about competitions, you you never want to be too overconfident because I've lost before. I've lost enough of them before to know what to do. Tell me about it. So when I got to Vegas, man, you know, they put us up in Vegas, whatever, and uh, I just went in zone and got quiet. I said, yo, if you, any wrong move, you will blow this shit. And I just locked in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So once again, I was number three again. And then I, I was like, oh, shit. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling tough, but I ain't want to say nothing. I'm on some humble shit. So, man, once I got up there, dude, it was like I, I murdered. Like, and you know, Kevin crying, laughing and shit. I put it up on my YouTube. Um, Y'all can go to the YouTube and see the pharmacist makes Kevin R. cry laugh and that was when I won right and uh when I won that Kevin was so you know nigga was on fire at this time this was like the fire was blazing the fuck hot so he had everybody with him you know you I mean you had people from Shaq All-Star come to this competition you I mean this motherfucker had everybody so after I won the money I go back to my hotel room and I get a call from the lady that saw me in Orlando. Yeah. And that lady turned out to be Tamara Gomes. You know, right. she was just a assistant or some shit. Right, that. right. So she was like, hey, um, you know, I know you're in Vegas. Would you like to come do about five minutes on the Shack? Because they had a Shack All-Star Comedy Jam in Vegas that same day, like the next day. Yeah. He's like, you want to do five minutes? I say, hell yeah, I want to do five minutes. <laughs> man, I went up there and towed that bitch down. And I came off stage, man. They had 42 dates for me, man. Woo! Yeah, I was on the tour. That feeling 
So I said, give you 42 dates. You be like, what? <laughs> 40, dude, I had 42 dates. And then I was on the on the show, you know, and then we taped the special. That's dope, bro. That's that is dope. Bro. Like that shit right there, put a nigga in the game. And then from that, you know what I'm saying? I was the first host of the uh, Plastic Cup Boys tour. Yeah. And then Nate Smith started managing me or whatever. And the shit. And then even after that, you know, I was an NBC stand-up for diversity. Right. And I thought I won that. I killed that shit, but they gave that shit to uh, a little Mexican cat, Nick Guerrero, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I guess the love, the cadence, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I, but I picked up agent representation. Yeah. That's yeah. how I kind of got, that's how I got with Innovative. And, it, and at that time, Tamara was over there, but I don't even believe she was an agent just yet. You know what I'm saying? But then she got promoted to the head of the agency. Yeah. So. And, it, and it's, it's that's wild, man. Like, the, the opportunities that present themselves just by you going to that gas station and seeing that that that, that, that uh, stand-up thing. And it's like, it's weird, man, because things happen. And then sometimes we feel we beat ourselves up because we don't win a competition or we know we should have won the competition. But it don't mean you ain't funny. It's just that comedy and the judging is subjective, and they looking for something different. And you're you like, yeah, you know, you know, like with stand up for diversity. When I, dude, I remember doing the stand up for diversity audition maybe in two thousand eight or something, dude. And they yeah. only gave like two minutes. Right. I was, I was awful. I was terrible. So what I learned from that was. I ran around the city, you know, when I when it came up for me to audition to do that again, I ran around the city just timing myself, making sure that I'm gonna hit two minutes and two then minutes. Yeah. killed their ass, went to LA, had meetings with all these Hollywood execs and all that shit, and boom, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. So so right now, do you do you primarily do a lot of traveling? Uh, like well, before the pandemic. Were you traveling pretty regularly in clubs, or you just primarily sticking in? Yeah, I was, I was, I was doing clubs, man. I played, uh, you know, I got to perform in Nigeria last year. Um, I played Germany. Um, I've, you know, headline, you know, like Chuckles, Uptown, Atlanta Comedy Theater. You know, I've headlined quite a bit, quite a few Mm -hmm. clubs. Yeah. Um, And then, like before, you know, before the pandemic hit, I was in New York. Uh, working on a, uh, I'm on a new show with Amy Schumer that'll be coming out on Hulu uh, titled Love Beth. So I was up in New oh. York writing on that show for like uh-huh. a month. Okay. And we just waiting to go into production for that. That's dope, man. So so you're a writer and you're on the show? Yeah. So the writing process, how does that work? Is that just a room full of people going back and forth, chopping things up? Punching yeah. things up, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, man. How, how do you like that? Do you like that? Do you feel like it's? Well, I liked it. I mean, yeah. the, the room we worked out of it was not. I mean, we actually worked out of her penthouse in New York every day, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, because she, you know, she's a creative, and she don't want nobody in that bitch like holding people hostage for eight and ten hours. So we met yeah. a couple, 
couple hours a day, pitch some ideas. You know, the showrunner would take those ideas, write them down, make notes, and you start you slowly start to see that script come together. That's dope, man. That's dope, man. Like I oh, said, and even, and even before that, I did Punch Up for Bad Boys. The the movie. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, let me show you. Let me let me see if I got my okay. Hold on, let me see if I got my script. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. That? You see that? Yeah. Bad so, boys for life, baby. So you got the script, and they what they tell you to do is just read through it, and then they tell you to punch up certain things. Oh my god! So let me tell you, dude. Let me tell you this shit after. So I was on my way to work, and I'm sitting in the parking lot like fuck, I'm ready to uh, blow my brains out, <laughs> and I get a text from a producer. Hey, this is um name Mike Socio. Mike Socio, we got a, a, a reference. Want to know if you come in and help us punch up the script, Bad Boys for Life. We're Tyler Perry Studios. I'm like, what the fuck? If you can't, and then he says in the text, if you can't do it, let us know who can. I'm like, nigga. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? I hit above, gave him my ticket, my, how much I wanted to get paid. They paid me well. And I go down to Tyler Perry Studios, um, go through the gates or whatever. And I'm just thinking I'm going to be in the fucking room. Right. You know, by myself, because what what happened was the, the studio wanted to do reshoots of the movie. So sometimes studios, the movie will be completed, but somebody in the studio, why say, yo, we're going to do reshoots of this and then that. So uh, everybody was gone. So I... I just thought I would be by myself. So, dude, I get there. I see trailers and shit. So I get there to meet the uh, the writer and the, one of the producers. And we standing out in front of this trailer. We talking. And the trailer door opens up. And Will Smith comes out. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm like, right there, I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I'm trying to hold my cool. You know? <laughs> All right. So, you know, uh, the guy introduces me to him. Uh, Lavar, this is Will. Will is Lavar, and I and I play. I like try to play the shit like I'm on some hard shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, how you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, how you doing? But then I said I can't I can't play this game. So in the moment, I looked at the producer. I looked at Will. I said, listen, man. I said, listen, I I can't do this number. No this, this shit ain't even real, bro. This is <laughs> right now. Like I'm having a moment and then he just started laughing. <laughs> and I saw all the dollars coming out of his fucking mouth. <laughs> and I mean, he was just a really good dude, good to work with. And man, yeah. I went in that office, man, and worked my ass off and punched it up and I was throwing them all kind of shit, bro. So Yeah, that's dope, man. Dude, and then like like and, the opportunity. Oh, oh no, I was gonna say, and I got to see them. So the scene they were shooting, they were shooting uh, that scene when they in the mansion and the shit is blowing up the end of the movie. So I'm in the, I mean, I was actually inside of the studio on time period a lot while they were blowing shit up and filming this. It was fucking amazing. That it's is amazing. crazy. And it, it's it's crazy. You, you, you just get a phone call because you sit in the parking lot like, oh, I hate this. And then boom, there it is. 
That's God, bro. Because it reminds me, it reminds me of the story that uh that JB Smooth tells about him driving in a snowstorm out of Pittsburgh, and he like, man, I gotta figure something else out. And he got the phone call about the uh the audition for the Kirby Enthusiasm. It's just like that, like those type things. You just get to your wits end. And yo, and then here's another story, right? Mm-hmm. So you know the whole Amy Schumer shit. I ain't tell you how that happened. How that happened? Yeah. So I've done this. So Damon Williams uh, does a, a a comedy show in Martha's Vineyard every year during okay. the Black. It's like a Black weekend or whatever, like festival, a comedy festival, HBO Martha's Vineyard Comedy Festival, and uh, pretty much for the Black uh, affluent, you know, the bougie motherfuckers, or whatever. So I I played it quite some time, and this year me, George Wallace, Chris Spencer, we. This was our week uh, to do it. So, dude, I'm on the island. I'm there. I'm, I'm killing. I'm killing, bro. All black people. Yeah. I kill. I come off stage. Amy Schumer there. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, I give her a hug. And I'm like, yo, it's a pleasure to meet you or whatever. And I, I just keep it moving because I'm, you know what I mean? I'm not one to, you know, I've never been one to like try to, you know what I mean? You know how motherfuckers be with the thirsty shit. I Absolutely. Can't. Absolutely. So I, I left. I, I kept it moving, dude. And as I'm walking probably back, uh, I know I was walking downtown. I was talking to Bentley Fonsworth. You know, nigga used to yeah, dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. We sit and chopped it up. This nigga was telling me old Diddy stories and when this nigga was carrying the mirror, all that shit. And I checked my Instagram. She started following me. I'm like, oh shit, that's what's up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then I got a DM from her. Oh my God, you were so funny. I'm like, thank you. Then a few days later, I get back to Atlanta, whatever. I get another DM. Have you written anything? I'm like, yeah. Can I see it? Yeah. So she looked at it. She said, what's your phone number? I give her my number. I think it's like 10 o'clock at night. She calls. Wow, bro. And then I'm on speedball like my wife, like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? So she goes, <laughs> oh my God, this is incredible. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I think you'll be great for this show and this, that, whatever. So I'm like, cool. So what happened you know, she had like put me in contact, like we was on the on a three way text with her assistant or whatever. They were gonna fly me to New York the same day, and then everything just went black. And the assistant was like, "Oh, Amy got to do a movie." I'm like, "Oh, fuck, cat." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think about it. Man, about a month, month and a half, maybe two months went by. I get an email from Endeavor, which is the content holding company for Hulu and they was like uh, LeVar we want you to we want to have a meeting we want you to have a meeting with the showrunner for this new show Love Beth uh, we need you to come to LA and meet with the showrunner in Beverly so I'm like yo I, I can't unless y'all gonna fly me out because I'm in Atlanta yeah there's like, no problem so I do a FaceTime with the showrunner she was like feeling me like oh my god you're great i mean it's just such nice people and uh 
after I got off the phone with her, well, the FaceTime with her for about an hour, I get another email from Hulu and one of the executives wanted to talk to me. So we talked for about an hour. Like, oh my God, you're so great. I'm definitely going to sign off. And then my agency called, hey, you know, them motherfuckers like, like, act like they did some they shit. They did it, right, yeah. <laughs> oh man, like, oh, like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, man, they, they sealed the deal or whatever. And dude, I looked up and I was on my way to New York, baby. Sent the back car, first class. It was a dream, dog. That shit was a dream. Like, I can't, it's so crazy, dude, just this journey and how, you know, dealing with the unknown. And a lot of times I haven't had the faith that I, I, I'm really trying to strengthen my faith more because God has shown me so much. Yeah. And sometimes I could still be like, man, I don't know. I don't know. God be hitting me in my chest. Like, nigga, I got you right. with Will Smith. What the fuck don't you think I'm doing, bro? Yo, it, Amy Schumer, what don't you think I'm doing? And see, the, the crazy thing, it, yeah, the crazy thing about that is, is you, you'll be introduced to a whole different dynamic of people just because of a Hulu show, right? Because they're going to be like, well, this guy, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? I'm Formed in New York with Seinfeld and Seth Meyers, nigga. Get out of here. Yeah, dude. We do that. So I'm, you know, I'm right on show. So I was like, uh, LeVar, um, are you busy tomorrow? I'm like, nah, what's up? You want to do some time? You want to do, do a set? I was like, okay, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And she hit me like, okay, cool. It's going to be me, you, Seinfeld, and Seth Meyers. <laughs> <laughs> yo, so I'm like, I have my cool, but I'm like, yo, like this shit ain't regular, like you know what I mean? Like it's like she said this shit, like these some open micers, like <laughs> the biggest motherfuckers in comedy. You know what I'm saying? So it was crazy. I was so intimidated on that show. I was so nervous, bro, because it was like this benefit show, and I mean the richest white people on earth was at this motherfucker. Yeah. I'm talking about, you've seen the white people in Hunger Games? <laughs> Them motherfuckers did. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with, the, with the smiles frozen on their face. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, I was like, to me, I bumped. And I'm like, damn, this was horrible. Because I, I mean, these motherfuckers don't shop. They don't. I couldn't do no CVS. They don't go. These people have assistants and shit. Is <laughs> right. So, dude, the plane was going the fuck down, right? So <laughs> I just let I let go. I say, man, I'm. I wear a lot of hats, and I just start talking about being bald, and they like that shit. I was, right. I wish I had hair, and I somebody having a hole in the scalp. Uh huh. What did I say? I say that's like, you know, I. I you know, I'm jealous of people with hair because, you know, when you're a man and you, you your line go way far back and you're missing the line, it's like being a lion without a mane. <laughs> <laughs> like if you see a lion with just like some hair, like, what's wrong with that lion, nigga? That nigga stick. You know what I'm saying? So they, they liked it. They yeah. I'm telling Amy, I'm like, yo, that shit. No, I, no, it wasn't bad. I mean, if it was bad, I would have loved it because I would have, I would have rolled your ass. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's been an amazing, amazing experience. And um, 
you're gonna be up and down, but you gotta hold that faith, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. dope, man. Like I said, you, Dude, you got walking, enough stories. I'm, I'm dealing in the unknown, my nigga. Like, yeah. you get used to that check, you know what I'm saying, being in that pharmacy. And even though I fill in, I'm not full time, so I just pick up shifts here and there. Yeah. But man, that money, man, that money be like, niggas, that shit be crazy. It be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you, I think like one of the things people don't realize, but you get addicted to a steady check and comfort. That, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's an addiction, nigga. Absolutely. You got a check coming in there in two weeks? Yes. How much comfort is in that? Absolutely. That bitch is coming. But then talk about the like if you if people don't understand the grind and the, and the the hunger that you had when you don't and then what you have to do for yourself in order to get that like the the email and then the, and the trying to get the bookings and then dealing with the bullshit promoters and then the people that come through and say hey we're gonna cancel the show and then you standing there going hey well, how I'm gonna pick up this money or the merchandise and then all this other stuff. And then you got your bullshit friends that I'll never count on. I'd be like, yo, we coming. Like, I'm not worried about y'all coming. I, I need strangers to pay me. I don't need y'all because y'all ain't going to come through. You know what I mean? They're not coming. Now, the amazing thing that, that, that happened during this pandemic, all my friends came through. As soon as everything shut down, my cash app was banging. I mean, I had friends coming in like, yo, I know it's tough, bro. I got you. And I'm like, yo, I was just selling some t-shirts. They like, don't worry about the shirts, man. Just take this. And I was just like, all right. Cash came through and I was like, yo, I appreciate y'all. You know what I mean? But nigga, the only color with show, they ain't coming. <laughs> the only sympathy I get, nigga, you a pharmacist. That's all I <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> Nigga, you a pharmacist, nigga. That be holds up, right? <laughs> That's it. it. Drying up itself. Do not go to pharmacy school, kids. If you're listening to this, please. Right, right. So, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this just for a minute because, um, you know, we do have a common bond in in our fraternity, um, Cap outside and uh, you know, you don't have to convince anybody else but but myself. But that's the best fraternity ever created, and uh, I believe it's one of some of the best brothers that I ever want to meet in my life. Um, why, why, why was it Cap for you? Like, what was it? about that was it was it something at the school was it something you had in your past and them niggas was just smooth man i'm actually my uncles and shit accused man yeah and it like like i grew up on like i say south side chicago you know I, I was on some dirty shit and i just got tired of that shit and right you know the noops was smooth and you know what i'm saying niggas right. <laughs> I didn't say nothing, but I was like, man, them niggas kind of fly over there. And then, dude, like, I'm, I'm going to tell you, because one night, it always embeds in my mind, this this one particular night, I was in high school, maybe my last year of high school, and and I snuck into this capital party, right? So I see, like, and you know, this back in the day, nigga, like, I'm 43. So, you know what I mean? They still had a disco ball or whatever with the lights. <laughs> well, I see this whole crowd of of people, like girls and shit around. So I, I go through the, the crowd or whatever. I look through some nigga in the middle working this cane. I'm working like, a cane. I'm like, shit, this is some smooth shit. All like, right. Dude, I'm like, oh, that shit just embedded. He was just so smooth with that motherfucker. Just people going crazy. 
And right there, I'm like, damn, you know, they was already in my mind, and I got to school. Yeah. And I kept it cool. Like, I kind of knew, like, don't really. I got cool with uh, my neighbor was a new Kevin Granger. Uh-huh. I mean, he pledged me or whatever, but I, we were just like friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was just kicking it with him. I wasn't on no interest shit. It was just like. Right. Right, chilling and shit. He ain't no. I had no interest, nigga. And then just yeah. one day, after maybe a year or so, I kind of expressed that shit, and I, I kind of like, I think it's like this nigga. You know what I'm saying? Come on in, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, then he, then he, you know, he changed. You know, you know. Oh I'm yeah. Do you know? I'm what I'm <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you know, and man, I, you know, nigga, start hollering at niggas. Doing yeah. what I had to do, nigga. Shit, you know, yeah. made, bro. It was it was perfect. Like for me, it was like you know, um, I knew, like I knew when I stepped on the yard. I was like, I was like, that's that's me, right? What, there. what school did you go to? Johnson C. Smith. What? Yeah. Um, Where is that at? In Charlotte. Nigga, I think I got booed at Johnson C. Smith. Oh, they were known for booing people. I did a show. I did a show with Michael Blackston. And well, I went to pick Michael up for, for the gig. He go, I hear they boo people here. I said, y'all went to school here. We boo comedians here. And he was like, I said, we boo, we boo Chris Tucker before Chris Tucker did Friday. He did Friday the next year, the year before. Oh, he yeah. Wait, how, how, how old are you, bro? 47. Oh, shit, you look young. Yeah. Damn. 47. So. I think um, I got booed at that motherfucker. Yeah. That might have been one of them. Yeah, Johnson C. Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. One of the only the only black school in Charlotte. It might have been, dude. Yeah. Either well, I we, but, somebody now no, I don't know. I definitely got booed at Valdosta. They booed the <laughs> <black guy. laughs> I, I was got in, I got booed at Valdosta. I got booed at Southern. They yeah. Booed, but I lost like a Southern dog. I was in that dome or whatever. And I'm this nigga started in, so I'm roasting this nigga and all these kids. And I, I roasted them. Then another one started. I roast him. Then nigga was all of me, boo! I'm like, fuck you, motherfuckers. <laughs> I, it just got so hot. I couldn't take off. I couldn't roast 7,000 motherfuckers, man. Uh, it was I, funny. Uh, I, I went back to Smith. Uh, Mike said, I heard they boo people. I said, yeah, man, we known for booing people. Now I got to open up. This is my first time almost coming back to my school to do comedy. All these kids don't know me. So they're like, all right, this person coming to the stage is a graduate. He's an alumni at John C. Smith University. Y'all give it up for Jay Bliss. I get on stage. Cats is clapping. I'm going in. I'm doing my material. Then after a while, like when I first got on stage, they kind of slow clapped me. They were just like. And I said, I know y'all heard them say I'm an alumni here. I said, damn it, I went to school here. I said, y'all better give me some more love than that. One of these cats start booing. I said, oh, so y'all don't believe I went to school here? I said, y'all still don't have um, co-ed visitation for freshmen? They're like, nope. I said, so y'all still fucking down at the science hall? And man, the whole crowd started busting out laughing. You got him. And they said, I said, that third bitch? I said, watch out for that one. I said, I probably still got a skeet mark on that wall back there. And then after that, they was like, oh, this dude did go to school here. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they knew exactly what a creep was. Dude, I, I was never too, you know what I mean, like, I was never the college guy. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I think I was working at the farms. I just was never the college dude. I did a few. I did. I, I did them. It's easy money. As an artist, 
Yeah. I was like, dude, I can't relate to these kids, man. Right, I'm, right. I'm a grown-ass man. And yeah. the, the true matter of it is, if I'm honest with my comedy, like my college show will be like, let me tell y'all something right now. A lot of y'all in a lot of student loan debt. A lot of y'all not going to get a job. But y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's shit like that, and they get mad, and they can't <laughs> And you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. You know, but if it's a big check, I go get that motherfucker. But I don't really, I don't seek them out. You know? What yeah, mean? yeah. I got, What's I got you. Because now, like at 43, nigga, these are like, these are my children. Yeah, yeah. Look at that age difference. I had, I was at a college, uh, I was at a college uh, conference. You know, when you go to like APCA, where you showcase. Mm-hmm. Mac and Apka, where you showcase for the college kids and they hire you or whatever. And I'm standing at my booth and this girl came up and said, yo, your showcase was funny. I said, I appreciate it. She said, you remind me of my dad. I was like, I said, if you don't get your ass away from this booth, I said, I'm about to punch you dead in your face. They, they do. Like, we they daddies, nigga. I know. I know. I, like, I, I, had a, I, I had a kid. I was at Smith one time and I was out there with the cats from uh, Wild and Out. So I opened up and I did my set. And the kids on Twitter was going in. Like, so they were going in or whatever on Twitter, but they didn't know I was going to be answering. So they wasn't atting me. They was using the hashtag for the homecoming. They was roasting you on them? A couple of them were. So one dude was like, man, this dude bald head shining like a mother, old Mr. Clean head ass nigga. Like that, right? And I said, I'm going to be clean as hell when they give me this check. Like that, and I and I, I responded back to him. He said, "Oh, let me hold some." I was like, "Nah, bro, come on out in the lobby and say that." Like that's so the dude. Oh, wow. Then a girl said, "A girl said, uh, the girl said, uh, she said something about, uh, she said something about what I had on or something like that." And I said, uh, "I said I'll buy your whole wardrobe in a month." Like yeah. that. <laughs> so, so now, so now you say they don't really. They don't really boo. They just tear your ass up on Twitter. Now. On Twitter, but you, but when they don't expect you, to, when they don't expect you to come back at them, that's when you start getting the follows. Because they like, oh, this dude came back at me. Let me follow him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and I learned that from Mia Jackson. Yeah, so Mia, we, Mia on the show too. Yeah, so Mia, me, me and Mia did. Uh, it was me, Mia, and Steve Brown. We was all at um, Tuskegee wow. doing the homecoming show. And Mia went up, and she was getting booed. Like, the crowd wasn't feeling her. And they were going at her on Twitter. They was atting her. She was answering every single one. Whew. And 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 one girl was like, she's so corny. She get on my nerves. And, and Mia was answering, like, oh, boo, thank you. I appreciate that. And it was just like, she was just going in on every single one of them. And she was like, you'll be okay. Your life will be all right after this. That's a, ooh, that's a, I mean, now, though, I go get that money. I wouldn't even give a fuck. But a part of me, an artist part of me, just feels like being much older. Mm-hmm. I just feel like because sometimes I get up there and I'm well. I put you like this. I know what jokes will work on college kids, like jacking off, smoking weed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like. Yeah. I feel like a clown. Like I feel like a fucking circus clown now. Like yeah. Now, I'm, now it's like these jokes that I'm doing that don't really resonate with me anymore. It's like me literally putting on a mascot suit and coming out. You know. Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But but you know who good like Corey Holcomb don't give a fuck. 
and I did a college show with him one time before. And the silence is hilarious to me. The the way they be looking at him. A lot of y'all lousy ass bitches not gonna make it. <laughs> dog, he and he sit there, dog. He don't care, dog. He just sit there like he listen. I, I was married at the time. I was married at the time. My wife was with me. We walk into the college show. I'm hosting. Corey's going on. And I walk in the back and he go, <clears throat> he go, hey, uh, that's your lady you was with? I said, yeah, that's my wife. He go, y'all got kids? I was like, yeah. He's like, they're yours? I was like, yeah. He's like, how you know? I said, because they look like me. He's talking about, nigga, she could have been messing with a nigga that looked like you. And I said, oh, my God, that nigga. Is- I, said, you, I said, dude, you a fool, right? He get on stage and he said he would talk mess with the women. They were they were so quiet. He go, I know it hurt, but you know your your mom ran your daddy away and he, and he ain't nobody there to tell you the truth. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and then, yeah. If you just seen the dejection on their face, and my wife was like, I don't like him. I said you ain't supposed to. I said it's funny as hell. <laughs> Nigga, me and Corey, we did a college <laughs> show together, and we had to drive to that motherfucker dog. Uh, and this nigga, Corey drove like the whole way. I I don't know if we went. Where did we go? I don't. I, it might have been a school in Augusta. So it was some part of Georgia. Yeah. And we was in a little ass like a Focus or some shit. And you know, Corey big than the motherfucker nigga. He was <laughs> driving that bitch. The nigga drive like this and shit. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the on the passenger side looking like a little boy. And this nigga just nigga don't never get married. Nigga, fuck that shit. Like this nigga like getting <laughs> get married, niggas. Goofy than a motherfucker, like this. <laughs> I like, dude. It was hilarious, man. That's 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 a funny dude, man. If you ever if you ever get in a conversation with him again, tell him to tell you the, the joke about nine eleven that he told right after it happened. If you if you if he tell you that joke, you're gonna be like, dude, you going to hell immediately. <laughs> oh, dog, that nigga's brilliant, dog. But yes. What yeah. I like about him, man, Corby is self made nigga. He not gonna buck and shit for the industry. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't gonna bend. Like, Corey is Corey, nigga. That yeah. nigga. Right. Even Matter of fact, when I first started doing comedy, I told you I got booed at all jokes aside, he went up and killed. Yeah. And this nigga yeah. wasn't, he was so comfortable. Right. That nigga just got that. I remember, I would never forget this. I'm watching him, it's like, that nigga got on stage, he looked at the nigga in the crowd. I guess he knew the nigga, so I said, nigga, this nigga, your daddy name is Philip, and he, and he wear little watches on each one of his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> he don't care, though. I mean, just, that brother's brilliant, man. <laughs> that is hilarious, man. Nigga don't care, man. Nigga don't care. I, I, learned, I learned from watching him um, how to be silent, um, how to stand on the joke that you wrote and if they get it they don't if they do they do and yeah, but because I, at the while you don't give a fuck yeah i think right. that's the beauty of of a comedian like you right. don't give a fuck and right. i hate i gave so much of a fuck when i did the show with all them rich people right right you know I mean? yeah like, i hate that shit but you know fuck it i learned but the next time i do a show like that i'm you know, so every time you hit that bump in the road, you care less and less and less, and that's the whole beauty of the journey. You know, I, I mean? like doing uh, country clubs. Like I, I'll do a country club, and I'll be in there with the one percent, 
and I go in there and I speak the obvious. Mm. I go in there like, you know, I went there one time and I said, yo, I was, I got turned around coming up through here. I went through a couple of driveways. I know some people came out, was wondering what the hell was going on. I still have my music blaring. I said, I, I, <laughs> I said, I finally found the clubhouse. I come up in here. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, y'all did know a black dude was coming to do perform because I seen the fly out front. I said, so y'all didn't want to invite none of y'all black friends to come mm. out to, to come see the other black person that was going to be here for the weekend? Mm. And then I said, let me ask y'all a question. If a black person moved into this neighborhood, do y'all shut everything down and blow it up? Like, <laughs> like what happens with oh, the neighborhood? <laughs> that's funny, dude. Yeah. I, said, I said, what happened if they break through and just actually get a house here? What happened? Y'all just blow everything up and just and, and relocate? So, so Bliss, you you were are you married now, or you got a divorce? Nah, I'm divorced, uh, and uh, but I will say this, and I, I'm always quick to say this: the marriage didn't work, mm-hmm. but the parenting is phenomenal. Oh, good. So good. we work, we work very well. We got twin daughters. We work very well as parents, but we know oh. as a marriage, shit won't work. Would you get married again? She got to be a special woman. Really. Yeah, she do. Cause my 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 capacity for for bullshit is very low. Mm. I don't like to get into confrontation and and little trivial things that Wait, don't what's, mean what's shit. What's your sign? What's your sign? Cancer. Oh, you emotional man. Yeah, very. Yeah, very. I'm, a Vir- I'm a Virgo. Yeah, very moody. I'm very moody. Yeah, and my brother a Cancer. Dude. My moves. And, and see, I have a twin sister. My twin sister passed away in 2002. Damn. But she was the only one that could explain my moods. Mm-hmm. And I tell, I used to tell my wife all the time, if I'm in a bad mood, hey, it ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah. What I need you to do is leave me alone and let me come up out of it. Right. Like, but you be trying to solve the shit and, it be, mm-hmm. and, and you be fucking me up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now I'm going to snap on your ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's one of them things. Because that, that, that's very interesting because a lot of times as a man, you don't want to like that. That's how I am. I I have to handle my problems on my own because I don't yeah. want I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody to carry this burden. So I'm get I'm in my mind right, and I got to deal with this shit. Yep. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and I tell I tell I tell all the time. If, for me to get married again, she gonna have to understand me more than I understand. My, like you got to basically be the most laid back person. Cause mm-hmm. dating comedians is hard, man. You know how you know it's just you. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it, it is, dude. And it, it was, and she had a whole jealousy thing at one time. Like she ain't like the fact that I was trying to be on the road. And I'm like, you gotta understand. I ain't I ain't trying to be out here with no groupies. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, you married the wrong dude if you think I'm that dude. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have married you if I was gonna be out here cheating and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you know, I can leave you and do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so you know, but you know, but the but the girls, man, you know, raising the kids. You got kids? Yeah, I got one. Just one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I I wasn't I wasn't gonna have one, but once I found out I was twin girls, I, I shut it down. I mean, Are they identical? No, nah, they fraternal. Oh, cool. One one look like her, one look like me. That's crazy. One that look like her, act like her. One look like me, act like me, and then they'll go at each other like, and I go, this shit, I didn't know, I didn't see this shit. <laughs> we, we forcing them to stay together, but we won't. <laughs> Y'all stay together. Do you do a bit on that? All the time. 
That's funny, man. My, my, my kids do, when I tell you I am literally trying to parent the me out of one of my daughters, like, like I'll be yelling at her, like, why, why, why the fuck did you just do that? And I'll be saying in my head, nigga, you know why she did that shit. That's you. Mm-hmm. And she be sitting there looking at me like, seem like the shit to do. Like, one of my daughters is an asshole, man. I be like, yo, you wild. Yeah, I, like, 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 how old is your daughter? They 12. Yeah, like my son, five. Uh-huh. And I see a little of me and his mom in him. You know what I'm saying? I'm, uh, I, you know, I can't wait to see him get older. To really- By the time they get to about seven or eight, bro, that's who they are. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, like, like, like I, I look at my daughters and I, we laugh about it. Me and my ex-wife, we laugh about it. I say, listen, I say, Jada, you know, that's my baby. My baby gonna look out for me when I'm 80 years old and I'm trying to get up steps. She gonna call me every day. She gonna make sure I'm okay. Make sure I ate. Make sure I had my medicine. She gonna do everything she need to do. I said, Julie, the one that act like me. <laughs> I said, why get up in that hospital? I'm on that ventilator. <laughs> she gonna be like, yeah. She's like, yo, why you? Like, why you pull the plug? Like, look, he he better in a better place. We got it. We got this party to go to. <laughs> like, that's like, <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, like, that's gonna be her attitude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It's just it's wild, man. But it's it's good because you know I know so many comedians that got twins, and it's just like. We had these conversations. I've been on shows with comedians with twins. We both did twin material, and none of the jokes sounded alike. Nah, but man, because it's different. I mean, it's like a each life is like a snowflake. It's very yeah. yeah. That's why it ain't really no competition with comedians. It's like you can only be the best you that you can. Absolutely, man. I can't do a better Jay Bliss than Jay Bliss, and you can't beat me at being LeVar, you know what I mean? So right, right. You know, but you, I guess you learn that when you get older, like, you know, because sometimes I see comics compete and it's nah, just... And I, I like, I like your, um, I like your cadence. I like your, your, your style on stage is not a high energy, but your laughter is high energy. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, unless you're doing an impression, but most of the time it's like a, 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 a laid back, just like a standstill type, let me yeah. tell y'all. Let me tell you this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna overexert myself. A I, bit. I used to. I used to be more animated, like what I did yeah. comic view and shit. Like I yeah. would, you know, do do a lot more movement and shit yeah. like that. But I could, I could bring some animation back in because it does help to sell a bit more. It does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, but. I feel like I'm too lazy, though. I'd be like, I don't want to do all that. (laughs) I'd rather write a genius joke and get you laughing off my brilliance. You know what I mean? Ain't ain't Chappelle ain't moving and doing voices and shit up there. Amazing, man. That dude is is amazing. Um, Who inspires you as a comedian? Like, um, or who impresses you? My inspirations for comedy right now is of course Chappelle uh, Burr mm. Chappelle Burr Gaffigan yeah uh, oh shit who else man yeah, I like Chris Rock yeah um, do you like the misdirection from uh, like an Anthony Jeselnik I love him. Yeah. That nigga's brilliant. That motherfucker's brilliant. I can never I can never figure out where he's going. 
Dude, when he did that joke, dude, this shit just tickles me to this day. He said, uh, <laughs> I have a friend who has narcolepsy, which means one minute we're talking and the next minute we're having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Like this nigga raping this nigga every time he pass out. <laughs> like it's just it, dude. That is just genius. That's just brilliant. Like yeah, when he did the joke, when he did a joke about the little girl and his uh little. He got a little uh cousin or a little niece that chases him around all the time. She got uh one eye. You got it. She got a glass eye, but she always chasing him around. And he goes, uh, you know, cause you know she's always trying to get her eye back. And um, you know, did, did the joke oh. about that. And he goes, he goes, oh. yeah, I, I know it's kind of bad. He was like, you know, but the, the key is stealing it from her. He's like, and oh. the thing about it is, he said, you can't. He said most people would think you would just go in and grab the eye. You know what I mean? He's like, but you can't do that. You know, uh, because what if you you grab the wrong eye? He's like, so you just got to tap him on the back of the head and then oh. hit the floor. <laughs> I was like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> And he goes, I know. He said, you should just probably try to grab the eye. He said, but how do you think she lost the first one? And I was like, dude, come a, on, bro. It's a, it's a new dude uh, on Netflix. Well, not new, but I mean, it's a comic. And I was watching this special. It was funny as hell. I don't know if it was Tom. It wasn't Tom Segura. Tom Segura is funny, man. He, he funny, too. Well, let me see if I can find this guy. Uh-huh. I'm looking on my phone. Comedy. Nah, I was just, dude, I just watched, I don't know. Now, here you go, stand up. Mm-hmm. No, Segura is, ooh, he funny as shit. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, Tom Segura is funny. And his stories are hilarious. I like the one he did about Big Daddy Kane, um, which was funny as hell. And then he had a couple other ones. Do you like Kreischer? Yeah, uh, Burt. Bert, I just can't do this church. It's, it's like, like it's that shit distracting to me. To me, it's it's some stuff that he does, but I can't stay into him like I do like a burr. You know I mean, like I get the whole non-shirt thing and you just going out there being different, but his stories are funny, but they're not as in they're not like a Tom Segura's type stories to me. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. It's like that uh, white guy humor. You know what I mean? The shit that they find funny or, you know what I mean? Like, things like that. Um, have, you are familiar with um, the Actor Guild studio with James Lipton, the show used to come on? on uh, yeah, yeah. Did he die? He did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do, a, uh, I do a, a question and answer type deal like that on the end of my podcast that I want to do with you. I kind of remix the questions a little bit, but I'm going to shoot these questions at you. And I want your, your, your answers from them. Okay. Um, What's your uh, favorite word? I don't. I don't have a favorite word. You don't have a favorite word? Nah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you don't have a favorite word, I guess you'll have a least favorite word. No, I don't. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. What is your favorite word? Um. You know why nobody ever asked me that? But my favorite word would probably just be. Yes. I mean, if I ask a question and I can get what I want, somebody says yes. That's my favorite word. Um, 
my my least favorite word would be can't. And I tell that to my can't. kids all the time. Can't. Yeah. 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 That would be my least favorite word. Um, I have a, a a phrase that I use on stage called TTBS. It's like my mantra. It's uh, it stands for that's that bullshit. Um, what would be that's that bullshit to you? As far as what? Things that you can't can have no control over in your life. Things that I have no control over? Yeah, so when I say that's that bullshit, that means basically anything and everything you have absolutely no control over in your life, but these are things that happen within your life. Like COVID. Like an example of that's that COVID. bullshit. COVID-19. Yeah. COVID-19, right? <laughs> the opposite of that is uh, things that are the shit. Things that you just be like, yo, this the shit. I don't care what nobody say. What's that? What's the shit to you? Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, just making somebody laugh is, is obviously there. Um, if I had to introduce you to an audience, life, period, somebody was introducing yourself to the world, and they was like, oh, this is LeVar Walker, what's your walk on music? Whatever the deal, anything. I don't even do that shit no more. <laughs> I, like, I'm so over that shit. Man, what's your song? Fuck a song. Bring me up, man. Bring me I, up. Like, yeah, yeah. Bring me the fuck up, dude. Yeah. Like I'm not. You know what I'm saying? And that. And, and to me, see the thing with urban versus mainstream comedy, and I and I didn't share this with you, but I think like with technology, with Instagram, and all this, I think the lines are becoming blurred. Yeah. Of, and I and then furthermore, I think that urban comedy is being decimated by the internet because a lot of black people would favor going to see an internet comic over just a regular stand up comic. Uh, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So like But it's not you comedy know, to me. Well, I, I get it, but I don't want to sound like no hate or nothing. So I just, you no, know. No, it's not hate. It's just, it's just, if, if, <clears throat> if you got introduced to a person online and you never saw stand up comedy before, and then you went to go see this person at a comedy club, then your impression of what stand up comedy is, is not what the art form is. It lowers the bar. It does. And it's right. buffoonery. But it takes away from somebody that actually can craft a joke and and do things the proper way. And now this person is saying, that's not comedy. That's comedy. And I go, no, that's comedy. And what you're laughing at is not. So that's why, like, when I say the lines are blurred, you know, I I do more mainstream now because I've proven myself with my people. You know what I'm saying? But I see where my bigger opportunities will will come from. You know right. what I mean? Um, so I, I would just rather, I would prefer to do a show, give it up for LeVar Walker. Applause. Yeah. I don't need to come do a fucking dance for two minutes. Right, I'm right. I'm tired of that shit. Like, that shit is just so whack to me now. Like, I, you know, like, it's just so typical and just so like, God damn, like, this is... Don't even, don't even, I, I don't even need you to say the credits. Just bring me the fuck out. Just bring me up. And the thing about it is, is uh, I, I do a lot of mainstream rooms myself. And, um, you know, some of the club managers will tell you, we get we get black apps, we get urban acts in here. And we can always tell what joke's going to be told. When a check drop comes, somebody going to do the joke about gratuity. There's going to be music cues. 
and all these things that happen with our acts. And I go, I hate it. Like, I hate the whole uh, mindset of a music cue. You know what I mean? It's just like, come on, man. What if the DJ mess up? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you know, and I, I use, like, one of my biggest jokes, like, I like I used to do this big T.I. joke. and mm -hmm. That was, like, one of the first viral, probably, videos. Like, I did that right. shit, and I would turn around, looking right. like a music right, right. doing all this shit. And people just want niggas just can't. Come on, man, do the tea. I'm like, fuck y'all. I'm not doing no, no, no. I'm not doing that, motherfucker. You gonna sit and listen? Uh huh. Listen. You know what I'm saying, dude? I like tell you, I tell you one that, that, that make you probably make your stomach turn. I used to end my show doing if it isn't love from New Edition. Oh, nigga, because you. But that's how you. That's what I'm saying when you work in the wrong muscle. Right. That's how you. You know what I'm saying? That's the. It's like what the fuck. I would close the show out and it would go crazy. <laughs> like and I'll be like, "This is I hate. I hate doing this." Like, <laughs> and it was one club, uh, the comedy house, uh, comedy house in um, Columbia. When I used to go there, that they made me do it. They like, "Yo, you gotta close with that." Nigga, and I was like, "I ain't doing that no more, y'all." Nigga, I will walk into the club. Nigga, hand me a hat and glasses. Niggas will come up to me like this. Hey, man. Look, they had a hat and sunglasses like this. Hey, dog, come on, man. Go on, give it to Hey, nigga, no, I'm not doing that no more. I'm no, not doing that no more. And some people won't let it die. They won't let it, they won't let it die. Like, they, that's what they know you for. That's what they want to see. So, like, out here... I've been doing more so now. I mean, I go pop up in Uptown, but you know, occasionally I might go. But I've been doing like more the Laughing Skull. Yeah. In New York, I'm at the cellar. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like just more shit like that. Like, I mean, because comedy definitely has a certain rhythm, it's a certain jazz to it, it's a certain thought provoking aspect. And that's the crowd. Those are the people that I want to perform in front of. It ain't even necessarily a black or white thing. I think like when you look at comedy, when you look at stand-up comedy, it's still kind of a niche. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But the the real comedy crowds are super diverse. So you have like some blacks, some whites, some Asians, some Russians just all this mix of people and getting right. to all of them. And I feel like that's, you know, a real comedy audience. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. You got it, man. Not even necessarily if the shit is all, all white or redneck or whatever. No, that's, I mean, it's cool. You got to adapt to whatever you do as a comic for that. But like to have that really good material that can, that can uh, affect all races and all groups. That's Absolutely. pretty cool. My favorite shows are our mainstream rooms with a mixed audience that I can touch on everything. And I've and been in rooms before where I go, I'm going to touch every demographic in here. And, and some of these jokes you're going to be offended by. You know what I mean? Have you ever done alternative comedy? I've been to an alternative comedy room, but I wouldn't say that I've done alternative comedy. You didn't perform? I did perform, and it's it's a you know that's that's the room. Those comedians think they smarter than everybody else. Like their stuff is so obscure. You go, all right, you know what I mean, like a, like a Mark Marin, like some weirdos. Like, hey guys, uh, so I'm from uh, Minnesota. 
crazy thing in Minnesota. It gets cold. <sighs> like, what the? Yeah. Like, like, literally, this is what. Like, it's like, geez, where right. is it? When are you going to hit me with it, man? You right. And, I, and, I've, and I've, like, you know, saying I, I have jokes that I have bits that I use a lot of analogies. Like, I love using an analogy to be able to get my point across to somebody that otherwise wouldn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. And and those are the those are the bits that I uh, do. Somebody came up to me. One of the bookers came up to me and told me, "Man, you do a joke about French fries at the yeah. bottom of the bag that I still think about every time I see them." And I go, "Yep." And it was just like it was a joke I wrote when I first started doing comedy it would never work. And then seven years in, I rewrote it and it became like this mm-hmm. big bit. And everybody was like, "Yo, that shit is odd. I, I would never come up with that shit." And I go. That's one of them ones you'd be like, yeah, I can't wait to do this shit on TV. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's one of them ones you save. You won't put it online. You won't show nobody. You know, shit Mike, like that. You know what I mean? Mike, but, but do you ain't even got to do that. Just put it on YouTube. I know. I know. But, you know, we are protective of our material. We've always been that way. But I, I throw, I throw so much go. stuff up there now. You know what I mean? Bro, let it fly, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like let it go, man. Let right. it go. Sit it out. Because yep. we are not living in the 90s, brother. Right, right. When a comedy special was really special, they just throw them out now. Right. Yeah, they and, they, and a lot of them aren't funny. But Hell no. I had a comedian tell me that he liked to look at bad, bad uh, comedy specials. Like, he, he liked to go through and look at people doing horrible comedy specials. He won't watch the whole thing, but he just want to see it. Like, look at this bullshit right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, why, did, why does he like that? I asked him why. He told me, I said, I felt like, uh, he. I said, I feel like you just missed watching people bomb on stage. You know what I mean? He was mm. like, nah. He said, it's just something about watching somebody up there on a special not doing well. And I go, why are they, why are they still doing this? Like, why are you, how did you get this special? You know what I mean? And I go, I see a lot of them. I get on Netflix and I can get ten minutes in and I go, "This ain't this ain't gonna get no better." Nah, you know what I mean. I don't know, how they, I don't know what they. But see, the Netflix specials. That's just all about your representation. You know. Yeah. I mean? that's well, how- it's the same thing with who gets books at the weekends on comedy clubs. So mm-hmm. it's like you get uh you get somebody that's with CAA or somebody that's with some representation or somebody that's on the same uh, agency that Corey Holcomb's on. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Corey Holcomb would say, "All right, I want we want Corey Holcomb for this club, this club, and this club on these weeks." And they go, well, "You can get Corey, but you got to book uh, Jay, and you got to book Lavar uh, for for the following weekend." Ooh, let, let me see who Corey went. Let me see who his agency is. Yeah, he and then, a- and that's why you when you go to comedy clubs, you go, "How they get a weekend?" It's because they with that agency. Yeah, Corey with Gersh. Yeah. He would Gersh. Yeah, 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 that's real, dog. Yeah. That's real. And that's people real. be like, yeah. So, you know, you got your friends like, man, when you going to come to Atlanta? i like, dude, it don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd be telling motherfuckers, i say, look, man, y'all want me in these places. Y'all got to demand me. I need a demand. I need, you know what I'm saying? Buy tickets. Come in yeah. and sell tickets. People, yeah. people ask you to come, be like, yeah, America. And they won't even come to the damn show. Dude, I, I, I remember I finally booked Philly. That's when I saw you. Well, but, uh, you, you was up at Warm Daddy's. So me and Hank was at Helium, and then mm-hmm. we got done with our show, and he was like, yo, LeVar is over at Warm Daddy's. How far is two-rated spot from here? I said, that's less than 10 minutes. Let's roll. Then we got over there right when the show was ending. 
Mm. And that's when I met you on stage, and I was like, yeah, new, I'm uh, Jay Bliss, I'm out of Charlotte, whatever. And he was like, yeah, we, we just chopped it up for about a minute or two. Yeah, but, that's cool, man. Yeah. So yeah. Did y'all, y'all did one show at Helium or two? We did one. It was a, it was, he did that uh, Pay Teachers More Money. And he was, he was booking, he booked Philly. I said, yo, let me go up there and do Philly with you because I'm from the area, and mm. I could probably help you get it packed out. He's like, no doubt. Man, I advertise, man, try to tell family. I look, y'all didn't finally ask me when I'm coming to Philly. I'm here. Come check me out. Me and my man Hank Denson, blah, 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 blah. Nah, you can't do that with fan. You got to hit that fan base, dude. Yeah. Like, I've been really trying to build heavy. Right now, I'm trying to build heavy on that Facebook fan page, dude. Yeah. I'm trying I like to- it. I like your videos, man. I like your- um... oh, Somebody stole my fan page. Well, I got suckered out of it. And- uh I had like 38,000 fans and nigga got me for that bitch. And now I'm building over. I got 3,000 fans on my fan page. That's crazy. But it's cool though, because I think I had bought some fake ones in that one with the 38,000. So now I'm building real solid and I'm paying more attention to the percentage increase versus the 3,000 because like my shit jumped 600%. Have you identified your demographic? Mm-hmm. What is your demographic? 35 to 44. Men or women? Mostly men, but but women too. Okay. But mostly men. I need to change that shit. So if you I, had to, yeah, so I gotta like get I said, sexy, if, you had to, if your demographic was women. your demographic was one person, it'd be 35 to 40 man, college educated or I don't really know. They don't give me the, uh, I mean, like, let me look at my Instagram. I'll tell you my Instagram, uh, the insights for that. So like my audience is 33% men and women, 25 to 34 and 38% men and women, 35 to 44. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, out of that, out of that 33, it's like 49% women, 51% men. So you got, yeah, so it was more men. Yeah. And that's 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 strange too, because you know, most comedy audiences is women. Yeah, I mean, that's how you win. You get all the ladies, man. I, yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's, I might have to go try to get sexy or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then too, and then too, I wonder how that works, like when you're married, like, yeah, so because I think you have, if you're not married and single, you 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 might have a higher uh, woman count just because, you know, somebody think they might have a chance. Or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I'm happy with the people that fuck with me, though, for real, for real. Oh, absolutely, man. I I, yeah. I rock I rock with the people that rock with me, man. That's and all uh, you can do, bro. Yeah, That's so I, I do a, I do a couple of things online, man. I, I do a thing called Comedians Chopping It Up on Wednesday nights, which I go live on, on Facebook and YouTube. And then I also do a thing called HBCU Stories on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, don't don't be surprised if I hit you up to be on something like that, you know, in the future. If you ever had a time or whatever, you just got some, you know, want to kill some time. 
And uh, man, I appreciate the time you gave me today, man. And uh, yeah, bro, Duh, how long we been on here, man? Like two hours? Nah, it's uh, about an hour, almost an hour and a half, right there. That's good, man. Good yeah. energy, bro. Good, yeah, energy. no doubt. All right, bro. All, All right, right, man. Appreciate you, Nuke. Number love, Nuke. All Take right, care, later. Man. All right. Later.